Gentle Robin Nurse by John Young, page 50. My job is to help people recover their latent instincts and to develop them into new patterns and habits of perception and awareness. I also try to build good thinking skills, research abilities, and background knowledge, but it's hard to get going in those departments without triggering the keener awareness, deeper connection, and motivation to use them. The teaching tool of choice is what Tom Brown Jr. calls the sacred question, which is actually three questions. What did you observe? What is this telling you? What is this teaching you? I use this in all my programs because it drives people deeper into any question. Over the following months, using the help of those three questions, seeing no birds can become a few birds, which can then morph into some little brown noisy birds. Then into flocks of little black and white ones that stay in the trees and other birds I may not really see. You may announce one day that you have seen some Pacific wrens, those little brown noisy birds, or some chickadees in the trees, little black and white ones. Later on the chickadees will be feeding and calling in the trees. Pacific Wren will someday seem upset because another Pacific Wren came close to this one's favorite stump. An understanding of territory can often be a revelation. This bird lives here. This is the bird's address. No wonder this bird lets me know that he's not happy when I barge in. Bird language is about acquiring some jungle etiquette is where this starts to happen. Little by little over the course of a year, you can identify species of the birds that you could not have seen a few months earlier and differentiate one from the other. You can build a connection with them and then finally recognize them, Sam Bushman style. This can lead to basic but growing awareness and practice. Instead of flushing out the wrens and chickadees and robins and sparrows with the major bird flow, you can learn to sit quietly and to watch, to listen, to learn, and to connect. And as a result, you can change. Personal growth most likely would not happen if you just charge into those woods every day in a different direction. It can happen where one has one place where his own rebellion and the intimidation natural world can yield to one's newfound awareness, one's connections and understanding. Being part of a program itself can bring some advantages which provide easy access to a sit spot and the discipline to sit and visit with it every day. A 
daily dose of bird language medicine is recommended, which is why I say that the single most important factor for anyone interested in the subject is choosing a first sit spot that is convenient. Any place more than a two-minute walk from the door may be too far. The sit spot must be accessible on a moment's notice. So when you have some time, you don't have an excuse. In the beginning, this is vital. In the city, a tree on the edge of the park of the street is just as effective as a tree in the country. In fact, it can be more effective because the birds are more concentrated. There are plenty of birds in the city, and those birds every day are the ones to learn from because they have the most to say to us. There are Cooper's hawks and sharp shinned hawks and owls living in most cities. Often there are peregrine falcons and red-tailed hawks as well. There are certainly nest robbers. One year, on the eve of St. Patrick's Day in London, right by a busy street along the Thames, I watched a red fox sniffing and investigating unseen trails and stories in the grass along the walking path under a street light. In Seattle, a coyote got stuck in an elevator and a cougar sauntered right by a homeless camp beneath an overpass. But it doesn't take cougars to learn bird language or even coyotes. A house cat will do just fine. Know all of your neighbors. This is what it comes down to. In the backyard, a spot near a hedge or underneath a tree is theoretically better than one in the middle of a lawn. But the middle works too. You can create an awesome backyard sit spot with different kinds of feeders. Bird baths can also be great teachers. Many resources can help you set up your yard as a more diverse habitat for birds and to find the best sit spot. My family composts outdoors and our compost pile is a fine mini sit spot. Even for bird language learners whose primary sit spot is in the middle of a great bird habitat such as a northeastern deciduous forest, a secondary pad in the backyard is highly recommended. When you have 15 minutes and are too tired even to flip through the channels mindlessly, flop down on the grass instead. Relax and open new horizons. I do this all the time. And I have to admit that a lot of my bird language awareness also has come from my dynamic sit spot by the local fishing hole, as well as from my lazy summer wanders in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Today, I live at the edge of the woods on top of one of the Santa Cruz mountains, near the sea. When I'm home, I try to go outside for a bit at first light. Just walk out the front door and sit on my wooden bench in the quiet before the dawn. This is a kind of temporal sit spot, also highly recommended. The neighbor's lights are all out and my family is still asleep. moments. I watch the stars slowly blink out as the eastern sky blushes pink against the azure and silver band of fading night. I take in the morning news. Who's around? 
night birds move off to the rest as the day birds start waking up. The Tauhees first, then the Jays. The wings of ravens are squeaking in the darkness. Sometimes a horned owl is still calling. A bit later, the robins get going. The dawn chorus is on the way. It takes only five minutes, maybe ten, for me to feel connected. Later in the day, I steep out again for a few minutes. I sit on the bench by the front door, or just outside the back door in the sun, in another chair. I sat there for this purpose. When I have calls to make or conference calls to monitor, I sit there and multitask. My actual sit spot is a bench by my front door facing the yard, but these secondary sites are perfectly satisfactory and they're really all part of one larger sit spot area. Wherever you live, pick a sit spot where you can actually see not one in the middle of a blackberry thicket, and not one in the top of a tree. You should be down low with the ground birds. I recommend the edge of a pond or a creek if possible, because almost all creatures will pass by the water, especially in a dry habitat. That's the ideal. But I didn't have water near my first spot in New Jersey. I still figured out that the overbird lived over in that area. The juncos like to feed around those evergreen trees in the winter. The barred owl roosted in that holly tree.